afternoon, everyone. Welcome to It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I am in the studio today with Kevin Ebling. Good hey, afternoon, Kevin. Kathy. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. And we have a guest with us today, Mr. Dominique Henderson. He is an investment advisor, and he is going to share some end-of-year investment tips and financial advice with us today. Welcome, Dominique. Thank you, Kathy, for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. Happy to have you here. We are looking forward to a great show, and we're going to wrap up the end of the year when these radio shows, and hopefully we can get you set, all of our listeners set on the right path in terms of uh, planning your ta- your taxes and uh, some end-of-year financial tips. It can be a nerve-wracking time. <laughs> it can, and it is. But we've got, hopefully, some answers for you. If you have any questions, call in. Um, you can reach us on It's the Law with Kathy Rue at Facebook. Yeah, you can shoot us a Facebook message. You can send us an email at It's the Law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. Or um, tweet us, anything like that. And yeah. Hit more. There's so many different ways to contact us. I even forget sometimes. Yeah, that'd <laughs> Soon, be great. We'll, uh, we actually, you know, we're in a new studio now, and we don't have our uh, call-in line set up quite yet, but we will have that for you soon. Yeah, but in the meantime... But we're always taking, yeah, listener emails, <laughs> questions, all, all that good stuff. We want to welcome Dominique here, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you do, and... What you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. We only have an hour, though, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I am, first and foremost, a uh, husband of one wife, uh, 20 years, uh, this May coming up, and father of three children, so I'm proud of that. Yay. My oldest is in college, and I got two high schoolers, so I'm, um, I'm in the throes of teenageriness. Um, it's, <laughs> How fun. Yeah. It, it can be <laughs> challenging at times, Very. say the least. But, uh, yeah, so I own... My own financial practice, DJH Capital Management, and I've been doing financial services. I've been serving the industry since 1998, so almost 20 years, um, and I've filled several different roles. I guess I, I graduated from college and came um, and started working for a hedge fund, more on the kind of like analyst operation back office side. Did that for about eight years. Then I... Um, I decided to, I think I watched too much Flip That House around that time. That was 2006, so I started real estate. Uh, But it was a good break, a good change of pace. I actually got my securities license during that time and tried to start a practice. But um, during that time, the the U.S. went into one of the most severe economic recessions that we've had of all time. So uh, that wasn't the best time. And then in 2010, I partnered with a larger advisor, fairly successful in the Dallas Metroplex, and we served um, a, a ton of clients, but that was kind of where I cut my teeth, getting you know, face-to-face client experiences and going through all the different cases. And on the side of that, he, we had some separately managed accounts, so we also uh, ran a fairly you know, robust bond strategy, and I was ahead of that. So uh, been all around the block for Sounds the most part. Sounds <laughs> great. So your office is located in Dallas? Yes, I currently work um, out of the Cedar Hill area. Okay, great. And um, looking at your bio, and it says that prior to starting your firm, you spent years in institutional fixed income trading circles, and you co-managed a multi-million dollar municipal bond strategy. Yeah, so that was, um, we had um, probably about 600 families. We served about a half a billion under management. And there were two other guys there that were, I guess, similar relationship manager roles. And we all had, you know, you know, anywhere from 125 to 150 client relationships that we manage. But um, 
as is with all small shops, there was only nine of us there. You have to wear a lot of hats. And one of the hats were, you know, running the bondage, running the investment strategies, acting pretty much as a portfolio manager and, you know, doing the trades that you needed to do in order to make the profits that you need to make that clients are looking for. So Sounds good. And then you've been featured in different uh, publications, U.S. News and World Report, financial, um, GoBankingRates.com. You've got your weekly podcast. And you also busy. do a boot camp. <laughs> yes. Sounds very busy. Sounds like me. <laughs> there are definitely some similarities there. Spirits. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the financial boot camp. Everyone yeah. should be interested in hearing about that. Yeah, you know... um, Because I know you do it for adults and children as well. Yeah, so I guess when I I left the last opportunity I was at, Kathy, I thought about how I would want to serve clients, knowing that it's really not feasible to try to sit down with every particular case that you ever run across. And part of the Financial Literacy Boot Camp's mission is to break down the financial jargon and topics that, you know, you may hear on CNBC or Bloomberg or things like that and break it down in plain English. So the, the format of that is just taking 10 to 12 minutes every week and talking about subjects that are realistic to your financial plan. You may not be working with a financial advisor, but hopefully it's good advice so that you can implement those type of strategies or maybe take it back to the professional you're working with and ask some good questions. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to need to have a one-to-one with you about my own financial situation. Um, In the event, the very hopeful event that I get a great personal injury case that just, you know, turns out to be my nest egg. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then I go from zero to one million very quickly. Lottery. <laughs> yes, yes, like a lottery ticket. Exactly. And so then I think in at that situation, I would really need to sit down with you and get some sound financial planning advice. But in the interim, you know, where I'm just your blue collar, Joe Blow working every day, you know, just... <sighs> Snail, snailing along at a snail's pace. The grind. (laughs) The the steady pace is is what wins the race, right? Okay, yeah. So what could you do for someone like me, you know, just your average Joe Blow, you know, middle class worker, taxpayer, just making it day by day? Yeah. So let's step back a little bit, Kathy, because there's so many different roles that a lot of financial advisors play. Like, I mean, you're talking about a decades old industry um, and there's plenty of different things that can be deemed as financial advice, right? So it, it really starts with a conversation with the client about what you want to achieve. Um, maybe very akin to, like, so we're at the end of the year. Um, Kevin doesn't look like he needs it, but, you know, a lot of people want to go work out at the beginning of the year, right? They need to make these New Year's resolutions, right? Yeah, I, I, that's like the, <laughs> I work out like once a year. <laughs> I've already started mine. I just got back into the gym again. Yeah, so see, I'm starting my New Year's resolution early to give me some uh, fail time up in there <laughs> so that come January 1st, I'll be on track. <laughs> Last year, I bought a Fitbit around that time and tried to motivate myself. I worked for like two weeks. Every, everything counts, right? Everything counts, right? Even even the desires, the intent, right? Uh, not the actual I like to, I like to think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, but just around the same, I think a lot of things are transferable in that analogy in that you know, if somebody's going to go work out and they want to say they have a goal of losing X amount of pounds, then what they could do is they can go to that gym, Lifetime Fitness, 24 hour, and they can partner up with uh, a trainer. Right. Sure. And the trainer's going to say, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. It, it, it offers a lot of accountability and some discipline and focus, whereas, um, you know, uh, somebody could do it 
on their own, right? So let's take the path of the person that wants to take the trainer. If you walked into the gym and you saw somebody with a beer belly and matter of fact, they couldn't even you know, meet with you right then because they were on their smoke break or something like that, <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to hire them as your trainer, right? right? So it, it all starts with a conversation. And I always, I, I like to talk to my clients about the five tips, right? Yeah. So what are, what are the things you're looking for when you're working with an advisor? Well, the first tip that we just went over is kind of like the sniff test, right? So who and um, who's that person? How are they reacting with you? What is the conversation like? Do you feel uncomfortable? Are you asking questions that they're like deferring or shooting down, things like that? That's probably the very first thing. Um, that I would, you know, say, hey, if you're going to try to work with a financial advisor, this is what you should be looking for. Um, the other thing I would um, say is look for somebody that is a fiduciary. That's a big fancy word, but all it does mean is just to keep the client's best in- interest in mind. Yes. Right. So, you know, if 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 there is a product sold or a service um, that you buy, make sure that it's the goals that you want, and somebody should be able to fully explain what that service is and what they're helping you with. Um, I would also say, and this is something that the listeners can really, that they would really know, um, a financial advisor that they're interviewing would really know that they knew their stuff if they said this one term. So complete an IPS. It's an investment policy statement. So if you come in there and say, yeah, when are we going to complete the investment policy statement? The advisor would probably be taking it back because they're like, oh, this is an industry standard term right here. This person knows what they're talking about. So you want to do that because it, it, it's like the blueprint for how we're going to invest your account. Okay. It, it talks about, you know, it, it, Kevin may put down that he wants to make 10% in the market. And we talk about over what time frame that's going to happen and what is his risk tolerance and will he need to liquidate some of that account in order to plan for a wedding or he just had a child or he's getting married. All these different things go into that document. Document. So you synthesize and distill it down into one thing that the client can pick up and read and hold me account and I also kind of hold them accountable um, with that. And then I would say the, the last thing is probably just make sure that person is disclosing everything around compensation, about how fees are going to work, about how often you should be interacting and communicating. So even if that's a blue collar person, like you said earlier, coming to me saying, I want you to help me invest my 401k with my employer. I want Dominique to help me work through the choices that I have and see what I should be investing and help me with my benefits period and things like that. So there's a, an array, I think, to answer your question. There's an array of things that can be happening around planning and financial advice being given. Okay, and that all sounds great, and it really parallels the legal profession as well because I do a lot of the same things with my client. I'm a fiduciary to them, um, trying to help them identify their goals and life events that would possibly affect their goals. And if they come in and use terminology like a personal representative or executor of their estate or something like that, then I'm going to know I'm dealing with a fairly sophisticated consumer who knows what they're talking about. And I definitely want them to feel that I'm a right fit for them and also that they are a right fit as a client for me. And I have no qualms about telling someone, you know, I think you have a great case, but I'm not the right attorney for you. You need to get a second, third opinion so that you can feel comfortable because in the end, at the end of the day, it's the client's case. Yes. And I'm supposed to be helping them do what's in their best interest. Totally agree. So stay with us this afternoon. It's cloudy and overcast, but it's bright and shiny here in the radio station (laughs) with Kevin and Dominique. We're about to go to break. We should be back very shortly. We've got some more tax planning and end of year financial tips for you. Coming up next. 
providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. Broadcasting with the power of attorney, you're tuned in to It's the Law. Good afternoon, everyone. We're back in the studio this Monday afternoon, and I'm here with Kevin Ebling and hello, hello, Dominique Henderson, our financial advisor. Thank you for having me once again. And he's our guest here in the studio. Just want to give a big shout out to everyone who's listening and let you know that on this cloudy Monday, I'm in the studio. I look good. I feel good. I smell good. And I practice law good. (laughs) That's my great shout out to the... James Brown, the hardest working man in showbiz. Sometimes I feel like I'm the hardest working woman in the uh, fe- the legal field, uh, particularly in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, just because I'm a solo practitioner and I do everything. I wear all different kinds of hats. 
I've been practicing law for over 20 years. I've got my solo practice in Grapevine, Texas, and I've been practicing here in Texas for about 10 years now and uh, really enjoy it. I'm glad to be here. I'm truly blessed that I've had this great opportunity to practice law here and um, looking forward to continuing. So let's get back to our financial advisor, Mr. Dominique Henderson. And we wanted to talk a little bit about... um, well, I, um, I think a good what segue a maybe about what, financial advisor what does. We do. Yeah, what we do and what, you know, maybe specifically your audience, some things they may want to center around towards the end of the year. Sure. Um, well, I noticed in your bio, you said that you use your expertise to build financial plans and investment portfolios that help your clients achieve greater financial contentment in their lives. And so... Is I mean, could could you be a little bit more specific? Like, for example, do you sell different types of products to your clients, or are you only providing strategies and financial advice? Yeah. So the typical client may come into um, my office, and we'll sit down and we'll talk about you know what they need. Um, it's probably in the order of financial advice and or investment slash wealth management. So those are the two broad hats that I wear. And I'll give a case in point right now. So, you know, I'm working through a case right now where um, someone wants to know uh, we're going to do the plan for them and they want to know exactly where they're at. So that means just like treating yourself almost like a business, creating financials, what's their income statement look like? What does their net worth look like? Um, Their asset to debt ratio, how much liquidity they have and cash flow they have. We'll go through all those types of things. and even with the strategies. So with some type of strategies, you know, is it best to have a 30-year versus a 15-year mortgage on the books? You know, those type of things to say, you know, and I'm kind of synthesizing all the things that we do or we look at, but, you know, I'm knowing that as a market participant, interest rates are probably going to go higher eventually. So would you want to lock in a 15-year mortgage right now, especially if the price is going to be negligible on your monthly payment? So those type of things, we're bringing all those in and distilling it down into a plan that's going to fit the client's needs, especially if they come to me and say, hey, I want to retire at 60. And I look at them and I go, okay, you got about 24, 25 more years in the workforce. How do we get you to that goal so that you can live a very comfortable retirement lifestyle? What amount of money do you need to make or, or draw off of your retirement nest egg and those type of things? So is that what every financial advisor or financial planner does? I would hope. <laughs> there's 350,000 of us in the United States. I hope that we're all doing that. You know, there's there's so many different hats um, that people that are financial advisors and or hold themselves out to be financial advisors. They could sell products. I think the bottom line, though, is are you keeping the client's interest in uh, the client's best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the centerpiece legislation is the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. So that basically, the SEC basically said, if you're holding yourself out as giving financial advice and you get paid to do it, then technically you're a financial advisor. So then I'm a financial advisor. Um, sometimes. 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 <laughs> yeah, me, me too. <laughs> is it your business there and sometimes. are you getting paid to do that? So, you know, there are some, there are some exceptions to that sure. rule. For instance, attorneys are an exception to that rule. Um, and people that are in the business um, that are, you know, not having hung a shingle per se, but sure. like a CPA may give you interweaving financial advice sure. that goes with the plan, right? Yes. But they're not technically a financial advisor. So there are some exceptions. But I, I think, you know, the gist of it is, you know, if you choose to go that route as a financial advisor, there are some things that the laws and the regulations of the United States are requiring you to do. 
in order to give financial advice so that we don't end up having any more Bernie Madoffs or Ponzi schemes or things like that. So do you think when you were talking earlier about the analogy with uh, the gym Mm -hmm. and the New Year's resolution and hiring a trainer as opposed to doing it by yourself, Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think that this is this financial planning, wealth building, these strategies or something that can be easily developed by just an individual who wants to uh, try their own hand at managing their wealth or that's a, developing that's a their great, wealth? That's a great point, Kathy. I think that, you know, I've ran across, you know, for doing this almost 20 years, I've ran across some very, very intelligent people that are are well capable of doing that. But I think it's akin to probably that same analogy with fitness or other things that you just choose to outsource. Like, for instance, I really like a nice manicured yard, but does that mean I'm going to do it? I know how to do it. I have a lawnmower. I have a weed whacker. But necessarily, I don't want to spend my time doing that because I have other things that are of higher value if I spend my time doing those things. Sure. And so that's what I think most clients that hire a financial advisor come to the conclusion, because we're talking about intelligent, competent people that probably could read a book or get on Google nowadays and figure out some things. But some of the specific strategies and dedicating your time and vision towards that is not what the average consumer wants to do. They want to outsource that to a specialist. So what do you think about all this financial advice so far, Kevin? This is a lot to take in all at once. (laughs) (laughs) On a Monday morning? Yeah. (laughs) Monday afternoon. (laughs) For a guy who hasn't ever done any of this and has no experience in, you know, financial advising or law practicing. Yeah, it's a lot all at once, but it's good information. But you're learning it right now. So you can just... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's almost like sleeping at a Holiday Inn, right? Well... And and you're breaking it down in a way that's easy to digest and understand. So, I mean, it it, it makes sense, but it is still a lot of information. (laughs) It is. It is. And that's why you need to consult with that. Experts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I would like to turn the topic a little bit, just adjust it a little bit, Perfect. and let's talk to let's talk a little bit about some retirement planning tips. Yeah, um, I know you sent me some information mm-hmm. about year-end planning and tax formulas and all that good <laughs> stuff. And of course, to me, I mean that's that, like I, I'm a pig in slop with that because that's what I do yeah. a lot of and see a lot of, and it's very technical and detailed. So I'm comfortable with it. But can you break it down for our listeners to try to help them? Because we're quickly approaching December 31st. Yes, we are. So, Kathy, so I think that the one of the biggest things that a person can do, and this is probably just a, I don't know if it's a little known secret, but if you break down the tax formula, which we, the scope of this uh, this interview is not going to go through the tax formula. I won't bore everybody with that. But do you have it on your website or one of your podcasts? Um, actually, I just released our tax planning guide. So if you go to the website, uh, www djh-capital.com and it's on it's a link on the first page as long as you submit your name and an email a valid email it's free to download so it's free for you to out there to use if you want to great and if you didn't get his website you can go to the facebook page it's the law with kathy rue and i have tagged his website in the uh facebook uh, comment and so you can click on it there and link directly to dominique's website but go ahead with and the i just want to ask how can our listeners find uh, the boot camp the boot camp is actually under my blog. So if you go to the website too and you go to the blog or the education page, there's references to the boot camp on both, on both of those pages. Okay, and I believe you're on uh, iTunes as well. I'm on iTunes also. And YouTube, so yeah. I'm getting to YouTube. You're one step ahead of me. Yeah, we'll do another planning <laughs> session the, on that. I can take care of that for you. <laughs> Before the end of this year, I will be on YouTube. Very good. Okay? <laughs> Give Very me three good. weeks. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. But go ahead with the formula. So the, the the formula basic. So the IRS, just real quickly, the IRS basically says any increase to your wealth is income broadly defined. 
Um, from that number, you can take exclusions. Um, like if your, your, your grandma gave you a house and you inherited that house, that inheritance will be excluded from your income because it's an inheritance. Things like scholarships and other stuff like that is, is excluded. So that gets you to your gross income. And uh, the reason why I'm walking through this, understanding the formula is kind of key to how you make some tax savings in your own particular situation. Situation, excuse me. So the gross income, after you get to gross income, then you can take what we call is above the line uh, deductions. And it can be, if you're a self-employed person, you can deduct business expenses. Um, you, if you pay alimony, you can deduct alimony. There's all these different things. That gets you to your adjusted gross income afterwards. So AGI, most, that's AGI, crucial. That's what, Everyone wants to know what their AGI is. Everybody wants to know what their AGI is. But even before you get to AGI, so let's back right back up. If you have a 401k that you're participating in, and here's the key that I wanted to, yes. uh, the, the listeners listen to, you have $18,000. If you're over, over 50, you can add another $6,000 to that for a total of $24,000 that you salary defer and that does not get counted in. So you're essentially dollar for dollar reducing your gross income and your tax in, uh, taxable income. Yes. And so this so is that, something... that 6000 is what's called the catch-up contribution. Catch up. Correct. That's the, some fancy terminology you can throw at your financial planner or advisor. Uh, tell me about the catch-up contribution <laughs> exactly. for the, uh, the end of 2016. Exactly. It's the same as it was for 2015. That's correct. $18,000 throughout the year. Then you've got the catch-up at the end of the year of $6,000. And some plans, depending on how the retirement plan is structured, will let you do the catch-up contribution earlier in the year. So yes. you need to check with your financial advisor yes. or whoever has you in a 401k tax or, advisor, yeah. Yeah. yeah you can do all that yeah and find out what the terms of it is to see if you can do your catch-up contribution earlier correct yeah plan plans are different because they're all administered by third-party administrators that are specific to that plan but you know like i would even couple that idea with saying if you think you're going to get a big year-end cash bonus and you have not done your full um, salary deferral for the year. That may be one way you want to, you know, use your cash bonus because that's not counted as uh, taxable income as long as you put it in your plan. That's right. And one other tip, when you're thinking of year-end contributions, you actually have until April 15th of 2017 to make your 2016 full contribution. That's correct. So you don't really have a hard and fast deadline of December 31st, 2016. You have until April 15th of 2017 to make your contribution for the calendar year of 2016. That's correct. So when you're working on your tax returns, because once the year... Uh, 2016 ends and January 1st kicks in, that's when W-2s and 1099s are going to start coming out and you'll start pulling all of your receipts and income sources together for your to prepare your tax returns. So while you're playing with your tax returns, um, look at um, putting in more contribution money to your retirement plans yes. and see how that affects actually how it reduces your tax liability for 2016. Yeah. And I'll add just one clarification point. So employer sponsored plans, these qualified retirement plans like a 401k or 403b, those things like that, they will impose the their own deadlines, which is usually going to be the end of the calendar year. However, to your point, you can use um, an IRA um, yes. And that, that contribution is up until the tax deadline. Yeah, so, so we're on the IRA or yeah. a standard IRA. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so, so once you, I would, I would maximize all those because, you know, a lot of people, I've, I've come across a lot of clients that say, no, I don't want to participate in my 401k or they don't have enough choices or the fees are too high. 
um, by and large, those 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 little things are negligible when it comes to the tax deferred savings that you'll get, plus the bonus you get, if you want to call it a bonus, from reducing your taxable income. So um, I would highly encourage everybody. And I've always encouraged clients, you know, the first thing you want to do is participate in your company plan because that reduces your taxable income dollar for dollar. The next thing you want to do is your IRA. Um, those contributions are somewhat phased out once you get to a certain income level. Um, so that's why they would be considered next. And then afterwards, you would do a Roth. And that really depends on age. But it, like I said, it's always good to sit down with your tax advisor and your financial professional. One of the things I suggest in my tax guide is kind of like a meeting of the minds. You know, after the filing deadline, whether you choose to file or extend, um, it's good to just have a post-mortem strategy. Say, uh, okay, we filed on time or we didn't file on time. There's some things we can look at for next year. We still got eight, you know, seven more months um, in the year at that point in time. And then maybe in the summer, you do another planning strategy because your tax advisor is probably um, out of breath in April. You want to wait until the end of the summer to talk to them and um, get on their calendar. And at that time, is that, that's when I meet a lot of CPAs. Um, just because, you know, to have a three-way call, that conference, and kind of go through everything, the strategic part of it. Here's an example. If you're in a high tax bracket um, and you don't have a lot of deductions, and let's just say your, your tax rate's 28%, well, you don't want your financial advisor and this is the team aspect of everything and why you want all your professionals working together, your estate attorney, your tax advisor, and your financial advisor. Um, if you're in the 28% tax bracket, well, you don't want your financial guy buying and selling stock, creating all these short-term gains for you because they're taxed at ordinary income rates. So just that type of communication between those three individuals and, and yourself will, will, it will help your situation. Sure, sure. And let's not forget one other uh, deduction that would help you and reduce your tax liability, and this is called the saver's credit, mm. which is really important. Um, in, it pertains to your AGI. So everybody wants to determine when you're doing your tax return what your AGI is, and you're going to figure that out on the first page generally yes. of your 1040 or your 1040EZ or your 1040A, whichever the case may be. Um, but you may be able to qualify for the saver's credit, and it's a valuable tax credit. It's worth between 10 and 50% of the amount you contribute to a retirement account up to dollars $2,000 in a tax credit for individuals and $4,000 in a tax credit for couples. Yeah. So that's the maximum amount you can get. As an individual filer, the maximum you can get under the saver's credit is 2000 The maximum you can, you can get for couples is 4000 but still that helps reduce your tax liability. Yes. And so if your AGI is below... <laughs> $30,750 for individuals, you would qualify for a saver's credit. If it's below $46,125 for heads of household, you would qualify. And if it's below $61,500 for couples, you would qualify. And the way you qualify is you contribute to your 401k mm. or your IRA, and that deduction is taken into account. And then you get between 10 to 50% of that amount that you've contributed. Yeah. So your, your point, there's, there's so many different ways. And this is the reason why I always say, you know, and I don't knock, of course, anybody that chooses to do it their own way. But, you know, the, the, the benefit in co collaboration and having other perspectives on a particular situation, not just a financial advisor, not just a, a state attorney, not just a tax advisor, but all those people working together is how I've seen plans have great success and people yes. have more financial contentment. Yes. Minimize their tax liability, 
maximize their contributions to their retirements, and then you're taking that money tax-free after retirement. So that's a great way to end the year, any calendar year. Stay tuned, everyone. We're going to a short break, but we will be back. It's The Law with Kathy Rue. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next.
against the law. Good afternoon, everyone. We are on air live this Monday afternoon. We're in the studio with Kevin Ebling. Hello, hey, Kevin. hello. He's being really quiet this afternoon, just Man. working the controls. You guys, there's just a lot going on today. Yeah, a lot to absorb all at once. You guys are going to Milo Minute over here. And we've got a guest in the studio with us. His name is Dominique Henderson, and he is an investment advisor. We're happy to have him with us in the studio today. Thank you very much, Kathy. Glad You're welcome. To be here. And we are talking about financial advice, uh, general strategies and also um, end of year tax tips so when we left uh, you had started out talking about uh, the formula yes uh, to get to your adjusted your gross income don't want to leave people hanging on the deductions and exclusions and then getting to your AGI so let's wrap up on that and then we've got some more information to give you about protecting your wealth managing your finances and uh, retiring Okay, so after adjusted gross income, you're going to take the what the IRS calls the greater of your itemized deductions, which can be things like charitable contributions, um, um, student loan it, or deductions that you're going to make, maybe like student loan interest. Um, it could gifts. be gifts. gifts. It could be all types of things that um, that go into that number. Then you take the greater of that or your standard deduction that is also coupled with any types of exemptions you have. So you get a, a personal exemption of about $4,000, $4,050 for yourself and for any dependents you have. That, after you take all that numbers, all those numbers, subtract all those numbers from adjusted gross income, you get your taxable income. And that is what gets applied to the tax table to figure your tax. Yes. And so a lot of planning that I like to do at this part of the year, and here's another tip, is if you go through, if you take the time to go through that formula, which the guy will walk you through, then you can look at your credits because largely, by and large, the credit that you have for tax withholding during the year, which is figured by your W-4, never gets adjusted for your tax return. So what I like to do is sit down with clients and get their tax return and their W-4 right next to each other and give them more exemptions because usually that puts more money in your pocket because you don't want to give the, 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 the government an interest-free loan. Whenever you get a tax refund, that's essentially what you've done is given them an interest-free loan that they get to keep and give you, you know, a little refund. Exactly. And people don't really understand that. I think people don't <laughs> no, understand I didn't, I that never whole concept that. of how that works because basically by not maximizing your deductions or your on your W-4 with your employer, that means the IRS is taking out more money than it should take out on your paycheck every other week or yeah. how, every twice a month or once a month, however you get paid. Yeah. And so people like to think, oh, they get very excited. They're like, oh, I'm getting money back from the IRS. I'm getting a big refund check. And they look forward to it. But that's really their money that the You're government is holding on to. You're yeah. just getting your own yeah. money back. And the downside of it is, like you just pointed out, you could have ha- taken that money and put it in an interest-bearing account and made more could money. Could have had it the whole time. Yeah. Yes, you could have had it the entire time to live off of. Yep. You could have had it so to save. Your goals. And, yeah. Yes, and, and make more money off of it. But instead, the, uh, the IRS, the government at your discretion, yep. <laughs> was just taking that money out of your check. So it's important to look at that at the yeah. end of the year and see, you know, you, sh- you really should not have a larger refund from the IRS. That is not the goal. To, the <laughs> to ideal situation is actually to pay much as, as much as people don't want to hear that. But the ideal situation is, um, is to have a check to write when it comes to tax time, because what that essentially means is the reverse situation has happened in which you have borrowed interest-free money from the government. 
Right. And then when, once you declare that and you pay the taxes on it, then, I mean, it's not the same. It's not getting real. Yeah, it's exactly the reverse of yeah. Yeah. people who are, you know, W-4 yeah. employees. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that, I think that deserves an annual review, actually. We do that with our clients annually. I agree. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's not the best way to save. If you want to save your money, there's better ways to save your money and a more optimal ways to save your money and allow it to gain interest and make more money for your benefit. And not, and not to mention just the compound interest, just the opportunity cost, right? Like if you're in debt, and an extra three hundred bucks a month. Well, it, it, it's pretty three hundred bucks a month times twelve is thirty six hundred. It's not uncommon to see a thirty six hundred dollars. It refund. isn't. And so three hundred dollars a month going towards your student loan uh, can pay that thing off so much quicker. Or credit card or debt, credit card or, debt a or a car note, anything. So right. when filling out your, your W four, is there a way you can manipulate it to where it's it's yes. almost the same as a ten ninety nine in the yes, sense? Yes, I actually that, have a podcast on this, Kevin. So thank oh, you for okay, the plug. yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> tackling your W-4. You want to check that out. It's about 12 minutes long. But basically, if you look at the front of the W-4, everybody concentrates on the first lines A through H, and they add those up, and they turn it in. Well, on the back, and even in the instructions on the W-4, it tells you if you itemize, and you don't take the standard deduction, which most people do, because if you have- like I always work, have. Yeah. yeah. So you flip it over, and you do worksheet. And then you do the worksheet. All you need is your tax return. It does not take a rocket scientist to do this. You need your tax return, the worksheet, and you can fill out some numbers. And you'll probably get way more exemptions, which will change the amount that your employer withholds from your check. And that's how you do it. And it usually gets processed. In it. I mean, I had a case where, where a client only had two exemptions, and they had had children since then and all this kind of thing. And actually, their exemptions needed to be more, I don't remember the exact number, probably like 16 or 17. But anyways, the point is their, their monthly take-home increased $1,000. Wow. And That's so, incredible. So we're now using that towards their plan. That's awesome, though. Yeah. I'm sure they're relieved and happy. <laughs> yes, and that, folks, is the benefit of a financial advisor. <laughs> yes. Looking at the whole picture. Looking, looking at, the, at whole the whole picture. And looking at the details of every part of the picture, yeah. too. That's what's important, and having that knowledge, that comprehensive knowledge, that comprehensive strategy plan for you. Yeah. So after you get your tax, apply to the tax table, whatever amount you withheld, that's usually going to be your largest credit. There's some other credits. We don't have to go through that. But the difference between that number will be the refund or the tax that you have due. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I would, it, I would highly advise everyone, even if you're not working with a financial advisor, to kind of we, – we, I would say politely suggest for our clients to, you know, schedule that light planning summer call that's sitting down with your tax professional um, and going through that particular situation of that particular tax year. Then what we like to do also in the late fall is do a um, just a strategy session, um, because what will inevitably happen is if you have some investment accounts, um, maybe you want to do what we call ta is tax loss harvesting. You may have some some gains or losses to offset with your income. And so you want your investment professional maybe to prepare a schedule of everything that you own and what the what gain loss position it's in. Um, and so you can see what activities you're going to take in your investment portfolio towards the end of the year. And like you said earlier, we're going to be doing um, for the whole first quarter of the year, you're really waiting on documents to come in from all your institutions, your, you know, your yeah, those are usually you usually get those about January 31st. Usually, yeah. generally some can, speaking. Some can come as late as almost tax time. I've seen that before. Like, for instance, if you're invested in um, partnerships, the K-1 forms can come as late as March 31st. I've seen those things. And that's the reason why a lot of clients tend to extend. But you're going to receive all those documents. And like I said, whether you choose to file and or extend doesn't really matter. But after tax season is over, 
Um, it's good to do a postmortem just to say, you know, what did my income situation look like? How much, how much different was it than last year? Um, is there any type of switching that needs to go on as far as, um, you know, how I'm deferring accounts or deferring money into accounts? There's a lot of different things to think about, um, you know, even with the change in healthcare, where you're now required to have health care unless you, you're going to pay the penalty. Um, you may even think about instead of doing the employer sponsored plan, um, add an HSA component to it because you can deduct um, as a, above the line deduction anything you put into a health savings account. So there's a lot of things to be thinking about around that May, June timeframe so that you can plan better and get better service from your ta tax professional and your financial advisor. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And then just going back to um, tax credits and AGI mm -hmm. and planning on your tax return and looking at all of that exclusions, exemptions, deductions, credits, that kind of stuff. That there's one trap <laughs> that strikes fear in the heart of certain taxpayers, and that's the alternative minimum oh, tax. Oh, the parallel taxism. <laughs> Everybody loves that. So we've got um, to go to break in a few seconds, but we will be back to talk about the AMT. Stay tuned. <laughs> Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's the Law with Kathy Rue coming up next.
never too early to start planning. You're tuned in to It's the Law. Hi, everyone. We are back in the studio. We are having fun this uh, cloudy, rainy Monday afternoon. Cold. Cold. (laughs) Really cold. Yeah. It, the temperature really dropped. It shocked me when I left the office and I stepped outside and it was like super cold. Me too. I had to go back and get a coat. For, yes, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. But it feels good. It puts me in the holiday spirit. So that's a nice thing too. But Definitely. we're here in the studio. It's The Law with Kathy Rue. Hi, I'm your host, Kathy Rue. <laughs> and I've got two great people here with me. Kevin Ebling, who's always here yeah, you know, it's nice to have a guest in here me. because people hear enough of me. So. <laughs> I like to hear your voice, Oh, well, Kevin. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we also have a guest today, Dominique Henderson, who is an investment advisor in Dallas. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thank you. And we love talking about the AMT. Uh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I was going to sound If you have one, you can hit it because this would be the time to do it. Um, The alternative minimum tax, which is scary for some people. Um, And basically what it is, is is it's a different system. It's a different formula. Earlier, Dominique was talking about the standard tax formula that is used by the IRS to determine what your tax liability is. The alternative minimum tax is a different formula. And it can, it doesn't have to, but it can sneak up on you when you're preparing your tax returns. Yeah, it's a parallel system. And yeah, I I really hope, and we're going to, I think we're going to talk about it, but I, I, I would really like for it to be repealed. Um, I, I know one of the things I ran into as a municipal bond trader with higher net worth clients is that a lot of times the investment choices were limited because we couldn't buy bonds that were subject to AMT, which basically means that when normally a government or municipality issues a bond, the interest on that bond, the coupon payment is exempt from taxation, except for if it's subject to AMT. And those can be like private activity bonds, like stadium bonds and things like that. So it is one of those things where you basically lose the ability to claim a certain amount of deductions because... And exemptions. Yes. uh, Congress, in all its infinite wisdom, decided a long time ago that people were gaming the system, which they probably were. And so they came up with this parallel tax system. Right. So basically, let's say you're using a software program like TurboTax, which is my favorite. I use TurboTax. Happy to I use it as well. I I love it. (laughs) It makes life easy. Very intuitive. And so basically, what will happen if you're using a program like TurboTax or any other software application, it's going, and you're doing your tax returns, it's going to run your your tax your taxes both ways yep. using both formulas the normal standard formula that Dominique talked about earlier and also the AMT formula and depending on what your tax liability is you will have to pay the higher liability yes. Yes. so if your standard tax liability would be $2000 and your AMT liability is $7000 you're going to have to pay the AMT liability of $7000 yes. and it generally There's no specific income uh, limit or income amount that uh, the AMT requires, but it generally does affect those taxpayers with incomes between $200,000 and $500,000. So they they appear, that group appears to be um, the most affected. And you were talking earlier about, you know, people gaming the system and that's how Mm -hmm. the AMT came about. It was actually created in 1969 to ensure that the very wealthy taxpayers paid their fair share or at least something um, in terms of tax liability. 
ability. The problem is because of the way our society has evolved since that enactment is that it the AMT now affects millions of yeah. taxpayers that are upper upper middle class Americans. Yeah. And so they're being hit the hardest arguably the hardest and affected the most by the AMT. Um, is it going anywhere anytime soon? We really don't know. Uh, in 2015, <laughs> it brought in $30 billion in taxes. Uh, sounds like a lot of revenue <laughs> to me. So we're not sure if it's going to um, go anywhere. We've got some speculation on that a little bit later on in the show. But there's some ways you can um, lessen its impact. Um and we can talk about that, or we can go ahead and switch to um, well, I, something else. I, I'm not, this is not a plug for uh, the union of marriage, but I will say that if you're married filing jointly, the exemption, uh, the amount of income that is excluded before AMT happens um, is eighty, almost $84,000, eighty-three eight hundred. So if you're single... Or head of household filing, you're going to be more likely to get hit with AMT. Yeah. And so right now, the AMT is the current law. But under uh, President-elect Trump's proposal, he is wanting to repeal that under um, the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan's A Better Way proposal. He is wanting to repeal it also. So in 2017, we may see the AMT go away. Uh, one other speculation. Which what I'm hearing isn't a bad thing. That's, it's, I mean, it's not for upper middle American, upper middle class. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not for them. They'll be happy to see it go. Yeah. <laughs> really happy. But others will not be. Well, it doesn't affect, you know, people who aren't in a particular, okay. you know, yeah. generally. Yeah. I'm speaking in generalities. It won't affect people who are in a certain income bracket, but yeah. um, those who are hit hardest will be happy to see it go away. Other possible tax changes in 2017 is to reduce the income tax rate brackets. Right now, we have seven, I yes. believe, in place. Yes, we do. And so both Trump and Ryan are proposing um, a reduction to three tax brackets, 12%, 25%, and 33%. So that's one change that could possibly happen um, once uh, President-elect Trump takes office. I think, and I think what you know, the, the theme here, and you bring up some really excellent points that you know, if the if a consumer's out there and they're thinking about, you know, what is the benefit in hiring a financial advisor or working with a another professional like an estate attorney or CPA? You're you're really making the case for <laughs> why somebody wants to have a collaboration of um, different professionals looking at their situation because, to be quite honest, even as a practitioner, it's hard to keep up with all this. So how much more for somebody that's not looking into this all the time? Exactly. And that's the importance of having experts um, at hand and available to consult with because this is what we do on a daily basis. That's this right. is our business. This is our area of expertise. And so consulting with us or professionals like us, you're going to get that information quickly at hand, um, easy for you to understand and strategize to maximize your benefit in terms of finances. Yeah. And I think th this is an excellent time of the year for anybody to not only look at your tax situation, but you're probably going to sit down with your financial guy or gal. And you know, you might want to book an early appointment for an estate review, just make sure all your Beneficiaries are updated and wills are put in place. There's nothing worse than, um, you know, not having that done. Sure. Think of it as a, a well checkup. Yeah. Just like you go to the doctor for your health and you have a, a well checkup once a year. Think of this as a well checkup for your financial planning. Totally agree. 
So thank you, Dominique, so much for being here. You gave us some great information. Uh, Kevin, it's always good seeing you and visiting with you. You You know, we've done some awesome shows together. Absolutely. We're going to continue that. Uh, We plan on having more guest hosts um, throughout next year. So stay tuned for It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I hope you have a great week. Long as I got your love.